Save the date for the 12th of September. Join our webinar on digital transformation in manufacturing. We are exploring how IoT, AI and smart factories are reshaping our sector. Hear from industry leaders like Airbus, Rolls-Royce and Heriot Watt University. This is a must attend for professionals and decision makers in manufacturing. So register now at resources.red-fern.co.uk slash webinar. That's resources.red-fern.co.uk slash webinar. The link is also in the description. I had a great conversation this week with Safi Ali, staff solutions architect for Google in manufacturing. A software engineer turned leader, he shares his inspiration for helping manufacturing businesses modernize across Google Cloud. We discuss his observations about the state of innovation within the manufacturing sector in the UK and the challenges they face embracing new technologies. We also discuss how he makes the case for modernization in manufacturing and discuss what tends to get in the way of that success and how to solve it. From Redfern Media, this is Remake Manufacturing. My guest this week is Safi Ali. Safi's expertise lies in driving cloud migration and modernization projects across Google Cloud. He's passionate about co-building cloud-native solutions with the developer community, leveraging technologies such as serverless computing, DevOps, and generative AI. With a focus on the manufacturing sector, Safi challenges the status quo, reimagines business processes, and helps companies optimize their operations. So Safi Ali, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nathan, for having me. Super excited to have you on the show, Safi. So as a software engineer who now leads teams and develops solutions, what inspired your transition into helping manufacturing businesses modernize their systems? Well, um, I think the whole passion with technology started because, you know, I lived in a house where my father used to have these, you know, microcontroller, programmable controller, which is basically a unit to control factory floors. Uh, so when I was 10, I used to see him program stuff and, you know, he take this equipment and took me with him multiple times to the factory. And I see what, what he write on the laptop converted into something that the machines are doing. And that kind of triggered my passion with, you know, technology generally. And, you know, although I kind of started my career as a software engineer and I moved to, you know, uh, building custom solutions, I always had the passion to convert the software to the tangible world. And there is no better place other than the manufacturing space where you can see, you know, industrial automation, uh, power stations, all of these sort of stuff where you actually build software, but is being used in the tangible stuff. So um, yeah, that's, that's where it kind of originated for me. So moving to the UK eight years ago, how have you observed the state of innovation within the UK manufacturing sector? And what are some of the main challenges they face when when it comes to sort of embracing new technologies and driving innovation? Well, uh, there, there have been, uh, particularly in the last five or four years, uh, there have been a few challenges around um, not only the manufacturing, but, you know, we realized the importance of manufacturing and the scale of manufacturing and the dependencies on manufacturing on resilient supply chain. Um, so when you look at the customer relationship with their products, customer expects to have a digital experience with their products. Uh, so whether or not you are producing the product 
you still have to have a digital relationship with your end customers. And the other thing is related to IoT, the buzzword, IoT is everywhere. You know, seven years ago, IoT was uh, kind of an exclusive club to a few people. Now IoT is everywhere, is everything that we do uh, in our lives, in our homes, in our cars. So the connection between the physical world and digital world kind of immersed into our experiences with with devices, with products, with with cars. That's the second thing. The other thing that emerged from the COVID um, you know situation and all of the geopolitical angle that we suffer from is the margin pressure and the need for new revenue. So the supply chain itself has been disrupted. For is is you know we discovered that the supply chain is so. Um, fragile in, in in essence, that's where the manufacturing themselves st- started to think about how to explore how to increase their margin, to explore new revenue streams, innovate with new products faster. But the level of innovation is tied to trial and error, right? So the faster you innovate and you know, um, explore the feasibility of your innovation, the better for you to, you know, you know, uh, judge whether this is the right investment or not. So these are the three main um, um, kind of challenges that I see. But there is a, a whole plethora of other challenges, not necessarily for manufacturing, which is the worker shows so shortages and bridge that digital gap between what the manufacturer needs in the factory floor, but also what the manufacturer will need in the next 10 years, because you just can't replace your workforce every three or four years. You know, it's a, it's a long-term investment. That's where uh, it's, a, it's a great idea to invest in digital uh, innovation now to reap the benefits, not necessarily now, but for the long run. The other crisis um, or the other holistic problem or holistic challenge is the sustainability. Uh, you know, the, the world that we live in right now depends on us to make the right decisions now to make the right outcome for the next generation. So things like sustainable uh, supply chains, sustainable energy, renewable energy, um, making sure that you optimize all of your operations so you're not wasting neither energy or efforts. So these are the things that everybody's talking about right now. So I would say there are things that is not necessarily for only manufacturers, but there are specific challenges with manufacturing as well. But the combination of both of them, we think that there is a huge role of digital and cloud and AI to revolutionize the way that we build the factory of the future, Industry 4.0. So I I heard some of your podcasts and your esteemed guest about the role of uh, Industry 4.0 in creating a sustainable economy and a circular economy about how things that we want to produce for the future need to be invested right now to be able to reap the benefits uh, for, for them. So I'd say it's a combination of both. Remake Manufacturing is brought to you by Redfern Media, the digital agency for B2B manufacturers. We partner with B2B manufacturers to listen, think, create and innovate. To find out more, head over to remakemanufacturing.com and sign up to the podcast, plus manufacturing marketing and technology insights. Now, back to the show. So how do you make the business case to decision makers in manufacturing businesses as to why they should modernize their processes? Yeah, um, you know, usually when I, you know, me and the team start the conversation with the you know, CIOs and operations team, we start by the main three um, target use case, if you will. The first one 
is how would a manufacturer be closer to their customer by offering new digital services and attract and maintain their customers and capture new margins. Uh, so this is the first thing, getting closer to your end customer. So you don't have to have barriers between you and your customer via a whole plethora of middle tiers that sits in between. That's the first, the first kind of use case. The second thing is how would manufacturer turn every product into a smart product by embedding intelligence across all of the product portfolio. So whether this is enabling IoT, um, you know, monitoring devices on your products or to the, uh, the right you know, end of the spectrum, which is servitization or consumer consumables so uh, you know for example you can you can be a a large manufacturing for a very costly windmill but you're not actually selling the windmill instead you're selling the uh, the operation hours instead so you you servitize your application but you wouldn't be able to servitize those you know expensive product unless you actually turn them into a smart product so you'll be able to monitor them continuously to monetize the effort to optimize every single piece of your operations so that's the second thing turning every product into a smart product this the third element is related to the end-to-end supply chain so how to optimize the uh, supply chain by embedding a transparency and resiliency across the supply chain it's not only the first um the first circle or the first um, you, your, your first line of, um, um, of, of, of operations, but also everything that is dependent, whether this is your partners, your um, intermediaries that sit between you and, and your partner and across your supply chain. By tapping into enterprises data, enterprise data across all of that supply chain and using analytics, using machine learning, using AI to be able not only to optimize the current operation, but to predict what's going to happen if you took a certain decision. So those are the three main kind of use cases that we tend to talk to uh, the key decision maker to make the case for change, to make the case for investment into digital in manufacturing. So can you talk about some successful modernization projects that you're particularly proud of having worked at Google? Maybe set us up by talking about what was the problem that you were trying to solve um, how did you go around solving it and, and maybe what, what were the results? Well, there are multiples in all honesty. Um, some of them I worked with and some of them is just more holistic um, with other teams at Google. But I, I can give you three different examples in uh, across three different kind of use cases that I mentioned. The first one is related to the customer experience. So one of the um, large uh, manufacturer and retailer uh, where we went there uh, and their challenge was to build a holistic approach of their customer 360, right? They need to understand why customers are buying certain products over the others. Um, is, it, is it pricing? Is it a quality? Is it location? Is it culture? So they need to understand uh, and they need to have a, a data-driven decision-making process. So we came to the conclusion they wouldn't be able to do that unless they built or we built together a customer data platform. Uh, and the aim of, of that platform, the customer data platform, is to break data silos and create that holistic view of the customer to drive the marketing. So you, you bridge the marketing data with customer service success with the customer data platform all in one place. So that means that the um, the personalized communication will be better because we know what the customer like and what they don't like. Uh, but it also means that we have a smart segmentation and the 
biggest output of that is something called demand forecasting or demand sensing capabilities. So for example, based on an actual event that has happened in a certain part of the world, you would be able to predict that because of that, there is a sale for a certain product because of that happened. So for example, we can talk about what happened during COVID. You know, everybody went mental around, you know, in toilet rolls. Nobody would have predicted that, but you 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 would be able to do similar things based on that previous experience and saying, because that event has happened in that part of the world, we expect that people would start to look at solution and that solution is our product. So these are the things that you wouldn't be able to do unless you bridge that data solo. So demand, marketing, natural events, and customer experience all in one place. So you will be able to do that kind of demand forecasting. So, and we have we have a product called Demand Forecasting Platform, which is basically help specifically retailers to understand the customer habits, but also bridge the gap between the operations and supply chain together in one place. So this is one of the use cases. Really interesting, Safi. Yeah. Is there another example you can share? Yeah, the other use case that came to my mind is what we did with a, a global automotive manufacturers where they wanted to bridge the gap between OT or operation technologies, things that usually sits on the factory floor, you know, PLC, programmable controller, SCADA systems, you know, systems that monitor the operation on the factory floor. So these generate, you know, these systems generate, you know, a valuable set of data, but usually they sit on the factory floor. No one's actually looks into them. The other part uh, that we need to kind of bridge the gap is the IT systems. So things like the supply chain, the demand, the, what, what, what they call it is the uh, ingredients for how things will, will, will work. So in the assembly line, how you would put a certain screw before the other or a certain part before the other, that's usually called the ingredient and the ingredient is in the IT system. So with the manufacturing data engine, which is a Google product, what we, what we aim to solve by that product is to process and contextualize and store the factory data so it can provide configurable and customizable blueprint for the ingestion, transformation, and contextualization of those kind of different disparate systems. So you will have a, you will be able to underpin things like predictive maintenance, um, uh, anomaly detection, machine anomaly detection, and overall something called the overall equipment effectiveness, uh, the OEE, which is something all of uh, the factory manager care more about. So instead of, instead of the operation manager on the factory floor being reactive to events, they now have the ability to predict things, you know, at one, two, three weeks from now based on the health and the effectiveness of the operations. So, and that generates, that generates a value of the time to decision. So the, the platform itself not only gives you the cause or the root cause of the problem, it actually suggests the next possible action, the next best action to take. Um, so this is another use case that I really like. And uh, it, it it actually bridged the gap. It's close to my heart because I, I tend to work on the factory floor and connect the OTA system, the SCADA, the PLC, and just the data to the cloud. The cloud does the AI, does the machine learning. We're using protocol looker to do the visualization of that. Um, but also we close the loop. If there's something, if there is an anomaly, the factory manager or the uh, maintenance engineers will be able to use a web interface to take that action without them having to be physically on the factory floor. So that's another use case that I really like. I think you paint a wonderful picture of what's possible with data analytics and AI, especially when it comes to optimizing the, the shop floor. However, 
I think a lot of people listening to this would still look at their own operations and their own organizations and think we're a million miles away from that. Um, and it's going to take something quite monumental to sort of move us in, in that direction. I think overall, conceptually, people get that actually this is the way that our organizations need to move and they understand the benefits of of modernizing in, in this way. But there are so many things that are hindering innovation within manufacturing businesses. Maybe you could talk about what some of those hindrances are have been in your experience and how would you suggest manufacturers overcome them? Yeah. Um, some of those kind of challenges, if you will, some of those, um, is related to the mindset. Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, manufacturing is no exception uh, in terms of being risk aversion for everything that is new. You know, there is this kind of, um, cultural resistance to new innovation, which for some, you know, some reason it's understandable. Some people think that, uh, you know, by using technology, that means that their job will be affected, which is understandable. Uh, but one of the things that we reply back to that is just saying, you will be able to do your job better by using technology. Technology wouldn't do your job because you have the expertise. They, the machines, you know, no matter how good they are, you know, some of those operation roles are indispensable, but you will become a better factory manager. You'll become a better maintenance engineer. You'll become a, a better operational designer by relying on a massive amount of data that sits with you in your enterprise, but you don't understand what's going on around it. So that's, that's where the kind of conversation tend to kind of go. So it's the first thing is related to the, trust uh, versus um, the culture kind of resistance to change. Uh, the other thing, uh, in, in my opinion, is sometimes uh, is the lack of funding or the lack of budgeting, uh, you know. And to be honest, some of those, you know, uh, challenges is not necessarily 100% accurate. So, you know, some, some people think that in order for you to build that, you need to invest, you know, millions and millions and millions, and you, it will take you, you know, hundreds of years to do it. But this is not necessarily the case. You know, technology has moved with huge strides. You know, the examples that I just gave you uh, a moment ago, you know, time to implementation. We are talking about a couple of weeks to a couple of months. We are not talking years here. Um, that's because the fundamental underlying platform has been already implemented. It uses open standard to do that. It uses, um, you know, out of the box connectors to connect to those systems. So you don't have to rebuild the whole thing. So I would say 70 to 80% of the platform has been already implemented for you. And all you need to do is just to adopt it and build or ask the right questions for your particular operations. So just to summarize two things. The first thing is the cultural resistance. The second thing is uh, the, um, and which is related to the first one, is the illusion that there is a lack of funding or it will take years or it will take months, which is not the case. And uh, those are the main things. There are other things that is not necessarily for manufacturing, which is how, because in the conversation that we're having about the value, we need to have a different conversation with people in the factory floor about how we would skill them to be able to be the next generation of operation managers, next generation of sales engineers. So this is the scale gap that I mentioned in the beginning. Um, but yeah, it just, this is, this is what we see uh, in real life, talking to people in the factory floors. 
it's really interesting you hearing hearing you talk about the human factors there sort of getting in the way of innovation within manufacturing businesses i i think it's the same across all sectors and and all industries to be honest it's it's humans that uh, that are the people or the main blockers to drive change in in summary how would you speaking to the cto the cio the technology leaders of manufacturing businesses what advice would you have for them in terms of um, how to improve and foster innovation within their organizations? What practical takeaways can you give them today as to sort of how to leverage these technologies to drive innovation and growth for their organizations? Well, I think there are, uh, there are multiple ways that, uh, that depends on their priorities. Not every CTO or CIO, you know, put their priorities on you know, align with certain things. But there's no question about the fact that every CIO, uh, in particular in the manufacturing, uh, need to build a manufacturing cloud strategy, right? Because they need to build a resilient needed to accelerate the transformation and to accelerate the innovation in their organization. But they wouldn't be able to do that unless they first consider bridging the gap between IT and and OT, things that I mentioned before. The second thing is capturing incremental value via the enterprise data platform to deliver services and unlock innovation faster. The third thing is adopting a digitally enabled anywhere workforce. So your workforce will be able to take decision as fast as they can. They don't have to travel you know, 20, 30 miles to be able to take that decision. Fourth aspect is what is called build a uh, composable distributed technology infrastructure from edge to cloud. Uh, so if you were to, you know, build a predictive maintenance uh, platform on a windmill that's on the North Sea, for example, you need to have the infrastructure needed to be able to build that AI model and be able to test it at the edge, which is near the windmill. So you need to have that kind of composable distributed technology that is needed to build that. And the third, the, four, the, the fifth thing is how to maintain the highest level of cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is is here, outage will happen. How a CIO or a CTO will build the highest level of cybersecurity strategy to enable, uh, with the advanced tool in place and expert, to be able to counter and protect those investments. So the, 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 first, the first four kind of strategies that I mentioned need to be underpinned by a coherent and a powerful cybersecurity tools and expertise to defend them and to make sure that this is in place. So these are the, four, the five things that um, any CTO or a CIO would need to kind of consider. And I think it's a combination of, um, of two of them, three of them, and depending on how advanced they are in their journey. But I would say most of them think about the data platform. All of them have budgets and considers the cybersecurity risk. They understand that well, they're well aware of the risks and I think they understand the reality of educating the workforce for the future. So no matter where they are, these are the three things that they are doing right now. You know, bridging OT on IT is kind of a, it's a backdrop. It's something that will happen later in the journey. It's, it's not like a day one. You wouldn't be able to do that unless you have the data platform. You wouldn't be able to do that unless you have the security in place. So Safi, we, we end the show the same way that we do every week by asking all of our guests to tell us the one invention that if it was never manufactured, your life would be unbearable. I would say computers, because computing generally as a concept, you know, 
we started with mainframes and very complicated room building size kind of computing. But now computing is everywhere. It's in our cars and our watch and everything. So I would say our life, you know, let's say that we switch off all of the computers. I think we'll, our life will kind of stop to a halt. There is no doubt about it. Whether you know it or not, whether you appreciate it or not, you'll just discover that the fact that you can't live without them. <laughs> yeah, there is, a, there is a technology fatigue and I, I, I'm, not, I'm no exception. I, I get myself tired sometimes from, t- you know, overwhelming number of, you know, ding, ding, ding information and notifications. But you still rely on them for most of your life, you know. So I would say computers, you know, computing as a concept is something that I can't live without. That's a great answer and a great place to end. Safi Ali, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Nathan, for the opportunity and uh, thanks for having me. Subscribe to the podcast in all the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon and Google Music. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of Remake Manufacturing. I'm Nathan Anibaba. See you next time.